1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. We're going to talk about this this morning and probably for a few weeks to come. The things that God, which God has prepared for them that love him. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. And we're going to talk about that. And and God, I believe, is going to impart this to us by faith and by his spirit and going to encourage us greatly. God has prepared a glorious future for those that love him. That's what he says here. I hasn't seen ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That's quoted from Isaiah 64. Roughly, I would say in Isaiah 64, it says for them that wait upon him. And I think both would be appropriate for them that love the Lord and for those that wait upon him. God has prepared a glorious future for our lives, for them that love him. It's glorious. It's eternal. And it's for all who have been made new in Christ. Everyone that's born again, everyone who by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ has trusted in the Lord trusted in his finished work of redemption that accomplished for us on the cross and in his resurrection. And so we're going to talk about this hope and this future that God has for us. Y'all, we're living. I'm telling you things that you know. So please excuse me, but we're all in the same boat, so to speak. We're all in the same circumstances. We're all in the same situations in our country. And this didn't happen overnight. It just seems like it happened overnight. If we've seen it coming for a long time, but something's different when it's when it's here. There's a reality to it I, uh, that this. I don't know what's the word. It, it's to me, it's like a, it's being stunned it, and, and being shocked a little bit. And we're trusting in the Lord and we're here now. And this is in one sense, it's very encouraging because it means that the, the Bible's true. We already knew that. It's happening like God said it would happen. It's not happening out of his control happening. And he's trying to reel it back in and see if he can patch it up and fix it and set the ship back up straight. It's happening the way he said it would happen. And he is in his people who he said he is in his people. And he's going to do in the hours of persecution and trials and tribulations what he can do and what he desires to do. He doesn't need millions and millions of people to do it, by the way. He turned the world upside down with 120 that started in the upper room. He, he can do what he needs to do to bring glory to his son and to bring men to Christ in this hour through those that will trust him and love him. But I want us to talk about the glorious future and the things that God has prepared for those that love him according to the word of God. So we're going to take a few weeks on Sunday mornings to go through. We're going to talk about the rapture. We're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about when is the rapture going to happen? What is that eternal state going to be like when we get there? Um, People who don't know the Lord. Okay, this is very important. People who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not born again. They, they, They don't know the truth. The Bible says as the truth is in Christ Jesus. 
So no matter what truth they know, if they don't know Jesus personally in their heart of hearts as a savior, they don't know the truth. That means they can't see truth clearly. They can't discern truth in the world. They can't discern it from the word of God. He that's not born again, but he that's spiritual, the Bible says, judges all things. And so we're born again. But those that don't know the Lord, when when they start thinking about or hear us as Christians or the thought comes to them of heaven and the rapture and things like that, they disdain that. They mock it for the most part. It's it's like a myth to them. They don't know Christ. They don't have the Holy Ghost residing in them. <clears throat> they, they mock that. and they, they thought of heaven, the thought of life after death being like those Christians say it is. They find that to be uh, a joke. Or they don't believe it, okay? It, it's a fiction tale to them. It's a fairy tale to them. It is a place, heaven would be a place uh, invented, basically, they would think, by those weak-minded Christians, those superstitious, outdated, who's t- dated, whose time has passed Christians, those Bible believing, fundamentalist, dogmatic Christians, they don't believe that. They don't believe it's going to be like the Bible says. They don't believe it's going to be like uh, that Christians say in the word of God says unbelievers. And, and we're going to talk about this, too. Sadly, many uh, not just unbelievers that are lost, but many who claim to know Christ, many that are in our churches today, uh, also view uh, the rapture of the church and, and things like this as, as irrelevant. They don't believe in it. Many in our churches don't believe that. Did y'all know that many in our churches don't believe in the rapture anymore? That, that this little group right here, I'm not saying it's us against them. I'm not saying it's us against the world. There are fewer and fewer people that believe in the rapture. There are fewer and fewer people in that group that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. There are fewer and fewer people that believe it's the eschatology that it's going to be laid out the way that the Lord says. Let me tell you how I believe the Word of God lays it out. And we'll talk about some of these things. I believe the next thing on God's timetable is the rapture of the church. He has a timetable. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Man exists in time. God exists outside of time. But in his dealings with this earth and this planet and people and with his church and with lost people, with Antichrist, all that he's going to deal with in governments and systems and philosophies of men, he is going to, the next thing on his top table is the rapture of the church. We're going to talk about that more next week. And after the rapture of the church, will whether it's that second or it certainly will be right afterwards, the tribulation period, which is a literal seven-year period. People don't believe that anymore. You think that they do, because we kind of travel in the same Christian circles. You go talk to people in seminaries. Go talk to people in other churches and pulpits and so forth and read other books. People don't believe that anymore. Christians don't believe that anymore. They call themselves Christians. God will judge whether they're truly born again or not. I'm simply saying... This is more and more rare, and yet it should be something that we cling to. People that don't believe it in our churches believe that, well, let me finish. So so the rapture, then a seven-year, literal seven-year tribulation period. It tells us how many days it is. And then Christ will come back, the second coming of the Lord, and we will be with him. He'll have a name on his vesture, faithful and true. His name is the Word of God. 
and he's coming back from heaven riding on a, riding on a white horse. That's not a, a fairy tale. Disney couldn't make a movie like this. He's coming back in power and glory and the saints of God are going to come back from heaven to the earth with the Lord and we're going to reign with him on this earth. It won't be the earth exactly like this. Physically, it will be the same at that time, but he will reign and rule the whole earth. What Satan is trying to do and Antichrist is lining himself up to do and we're seeing it in our country. Jesus Christ will actually do and, and reign and rule and we will be reigning and ruling with him. And after that, there's, uh, there's a, a, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem after a literal thousand year period of, of peace on the earth and prosperity under Christ. These things are real. They're not parables. We're studying parables in Sunday school. They're not figures of speech. There are figures of speech in the book of Revelation as there are in all the Bible. But the teachings are basic and true and actual. Okay? And so... People in, our, in the world don't know Jesus. They, they ridicule and make fun. They just picture, oh, it's such a joke. They picture people floating around on clouds and playing harps. Or heaven is whatever you imagine it to be. If you love uh, sports, you know, heaven will be a place where you, your team always wins. You know what I mean? If you love pizza, you can go into heaven and eat all the pizza you want. It just people come up with this crazy stuff. The heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool is what the Bible says. He is seated in, in heaven. God the Father and our Savior is at the right hand in authority. It doesn't mean He's sitting, sitting down all the time, but He's seated at the right hand of the Father in a position of authority. He's going to call us to be with Him, and he is going to, we're going to come back with Him to reign and rule on this earth after that, that time. But to, to those that don't believe in the the rapture or they don't believe the rapture is going to happen at the beginning of the beginning of the tribulation or before the tribulation, which I do believe and I believe it's what the word of God teaches. Uh, they think that's just escapist theology, as they want to put it. You people that believe in a pre-trib rapture, you just want to think you're going to escape all of the, the persecution. Well, in, in one sense, I would agree with that. I'm not saying I'm not. The Bible doesn't promise that we're going to escape persecution. The Bible promises that we're going to escape the wrath of God. And those are different. And I don't want to teach next week's lesson today. But the wrath of God and persecution are not the same thing. We're persecuted because we're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Because we know Jesus in a world that doesn't know Christ. So everywhere we turn, we're the oddball. We're the one who's different. We're in the world, but not of the world. And Jesus says, I've given them my word, Father, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. They crucified Jesus, okay? We're in the same world that crucified Christ. We're going to be persecuted to greater or lesser extents as long as we live on this planet. Probably greater in the future. I don't think at all that we're just going to escape all persecution. I do believe totally and confidently from the word of God that I'm going to escape. And so is every believer because of the rapture coming before the tribulation. I'm going to escape all the tribulation, which is by definition a time of Jacob's trouble. It's for Israel. It is a time for uh, to bring the nation of Israel to repentance and to bring judgment on this lost world that 
crucified Christ. And I'm not part of that. I'm no longer under condemnation. I'm not appointed to the wrath of God, the Bible says. Well, look at these verses next week. That wasn't even part of the lesson. But people that are in our churches today and fewer and fewer are believing in the, excuse me, in the rapture. If they do, fewer and fewer are believing in the pre-tribulation rapture. And y'all, even those that do, and I, I would have to consider myself, I don't want to be in this crew, this crowd. Even those that believe in the rapture and believe in the pre-tribulation rapture and so forth, very few are looking for that hope. And I want to speak to us today because I want us, God wants us to look for that. We don't stick our heads in the cloud and pretend like none of this stuff around us is real. Kids don't quit studying or going to school. People don't quit showing up for work because I'm just looking for the rapture. No, we live our lives, but we live our lives looking for that blessed hope. It is in our hearts. It is in our thoughts. It is our hope and it is supposed to be our hope. And fewer and fewer people in our churches think very much about heaven. Think about the glorious future that we have. Think about life after the life on this earth is done. And and very few are looking for that with any joy or anticipation. There might be some different reasons for that, but I think fewer and fewer people in our churches forget the lost in the sense that they don't understand already. They need Jesus, okay? But fewer and fewer people that know the Lord or that claim to know the Lord are looking for that time of, of seeing the Lord face to face and the rapture in heaven with any real anticipation. Real expectation and joy. And there's going to be a rapture and then there's going to be all that follows the rapture forever and ever. And there's no way to describe temporal in in light of eternity. I don't know the words to describe it, but the temporal seems so important. And it is in the sense that we live for God. That's where people come to know Jesus in the temporal but then forevermore, we're with the Lord forever. And fewer and fewer people in our churches take any real comfort in that. They have very little longing for that. Few in our churches are longing for that glorious day with the Lord. And I know that God would have us for the next several weeks to focus upon this. And then after that, of course, we're going to see the Lord face to face. That could happen before I finish the next sentence. We're going to see the Lord, the uncreated one, face to face. No buffer between. Okay, now we see through a glass dimly or darkly, but then face to face. Now we know in part. This is Apostle Paul saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, caught up in the third heavens and saw things that were unlawful to utter. And yet he even said, now we know in part. But then we will know him even as we are known of him. I mean, that's amazing. That knowledge and that event and that change is going to be instantaneous. It's going to be not only instantaneous, but imminent in the sense that it could happen at any moment. I believe that. I believe it not just because I want to believe it. I believe it because I believe it's what the word of God teaches We'll talk about it more, but fewer people are longing for that day to see the Lord face to face, the uncreated one. Most in our churches are too busy. And here's one of the reasons I think that is the case. Most in our churches today 
are too busy building their kingdoms on this earth. And I'm not absolving myself from this and saying I'm not guilty of it at times. I'm saying I don't want to be. I want to get my focus where it needs to be. I want to get my life lined up straight and ordered properly and my priorities lined up properly. And I want to be obedient to the Lord and what He's called me to. But most in our churches are too busy building their kingdoms on this earth. Their focus is here. Here. Their treasures are here. Their affections are here. It's like they're tethered down or tied down. Their lives, their hearts, their minds, their futures, everything is stored up here. All their future hopes of what they hope to have and what they're building for and what they're saving for and what they're, everything is tied up and fastened, like tied down, like a hot air balloon. It's tied down. And it's all tied down right here. I'm talking about in our churches. Instead of our focus being on the Lord in heaven, that's where He is. I know He's in our midst, but His throne and His home is in heaven. And one day He's bringing us there. We talked about on Wednesday nights and, and we've talked about you know Israel passing through uh, Egypt last Sunday morning. We talked about it. And, and God's intent was not to just bring them out of Egypt and have them wander in the wilderness. He was, his intent was to bring them out of Egypt, which represents sin, bring them through the wilderness and out of the wilderness, which could represent the world and into the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ includes heaven and all the things in Jesus. And so, so many people are caught up in, their, in, in, in Christians with our focus and our kingdom building and everything is right here. I am so thankful. I say it all the time for this building. This is far more than I ever would have imagined. Okay, honestly, I was probably imagining we get a building, maybe it'd be a rented place, but I didn't really want that. If we build a place... It'd be one of these, uh, you know, metal buildings and you kind of furnish it inside and all that. This is just really something. But y'all, it, it's really nothing. And I don't want my heart to be focused here. I want to be thankful for it and, and really thank God for it and work on it. And I want to do things on it. But I don't want my heart to be tied to it in the sense that this is where all my hopes and dreams and thoughts are. It's, it needs to be in heaven that is where the Lord is. The Bible says that our God is in heaven. He had done whatsoever he had pleased. Where is God? Our God is in heaven. Psalm 115. He had done whatsoever he is pleased. He's in control. And he's controlling from his throne in heaven. The earth is his footstool. It's just where he rests his feet. It's just a picture. But that's the point. And I think the reason for this, y'all, is that... Uh, why is, why is there a lack of belief in the rapture or, and there, or lack in our churches of much thought of heaven and the life to come? I believe there's a couple of reasons, y'all, for this. I'm talking about in our churches, within our churches. Number one, I would say worldliness. The world has become our playground. The world has, this world, has become, I'm talking about Christians, has become our, our all in all. And we've lost sight of what's really important beyond. We've just gotten so focused on the here and now. You've heard the phrase, can't see past the end of your nose. 
And I think that's the, the church has gotten myopic or short-sighted. And we're looking at a time frame at a very short time. We're looking at what we got on this week and we've got bills we got to pay and, and this. Those things are real. Take care of those things. But don't be occupied and preoccupied with those things. Our God is in heaven. And the Bible says we have been made to sit together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. That's not only when we're raptured. We have been, when we're born again, made to sit together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Spiritually speaking, our hearts and minds need to be there. And what I think has happened with the church world today, again, it's not a blanket condemnation on every Christian, every pastor, every church, every believer. I'm not doing that. And I'll take the same, the same uh, blame upon my own life. Okay, but we, the church has become worldly. The cares of this life have become the only cares that we have for the most part. If our church plans a a time to go out witnessing, if we have time, we'll go do that. But otherwise, we don't talk to that many people about Jesus. We talk about talking about Jesus to people. We do it very little. You understand what I'm saying? We get very short-sighted, very... uh, just kind of closed in by this world. And in the parable of the seed and the sower, there's the cares of this life that choke out. That choke out. They choke out what? They choke out all the, the, the spiritual fruit, the spiritual life, the, the, where God wants us to abound and grow. We're being constricted and tightened. And it's not God's fault. We're being boxed in on every side because we're living on our daily planner. I am. I'm living on my little count. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm living by the 24-hour news cycle or whatever. And God says, I'm way bigger than that, y'all. I'm way bigger than that, y'all. You've made me too small in your eyes. And I want you to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And while you're waiting, I want you to wait with hope. And I want you to wait with encouragement. And I want you to wait with faith. And I want you to occupy until I come. And you fill up where I put you. If I put you here, then minister there. If I put you here, then minister here. If we're restricted on the amount of things we can do because of COVID, we can't go to the nursing home, then minister here. I talked to Keith Malcolmson. I just had a real burden to call him. We always, Dee and Candace text back and forth. We're praying for her to be healed of cancer. Our, our dear friends in Limerick City in Ireland, in Northern Ireland. And uh, I, I, I had a burden to talk to him. So I messaged him yesterday and said, can, can you call me soon? And he called me and we talked and prayed together. He was very excited. You know, they're troubled by America because they know this. He probably knows as much or more than I do about what's happening in our country. Okay? He's very got his finger on the pulse of the the one world banking and movement and all this stuff. And wonderful brother. But he's very excited because he said people are still getting saved. People are still genuinely getting saved. He knows people, they've been in lockdown mode, serious lockdown mode over there. They're in lockdown now. Okay? They don't meet together as a church. Um, and he's, he knows of people that have gotten saved within the last year. And the only saved Christian life that those new believers have known is the lockdown mode. That's all that they've known. And yet they're growing. And they're on fire for God. And their discernment is very clear. And they can say, they can see what's happening in the world. 
They can see what's happening in the U.S. They can see what's happening and they can't go to this church and that church because of what they teach. And they just have been saved a year. He's very encouraged by that. God is not bound up by all these things. I need to get my eyes off of it. Yes, I'm aware of it. I'm not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. I'm not going to just fall into a trap ignorantly and God said, well, I tried to warn you. I mean, we need to know what's going on. But I don't need to be preoccupied with what's going on. And so I think one of the reasons there's such a lack of longing for that day to be with the Lord forever and ever, so shall we ever be with the Lord, there's a lack of longing for that in our churches because we're caught up in the cares of this life. Now, this is probably not a new revelation to any of us, but it is a truth. The church has become very worldly and very caught up in the world, not necessarily sinful things and immoral things, but caught up in the world. And it's all right here. We're caught up in it. Okay. second of all, what's another reason those in the church are not longing for the rapture, not longing to see the Lord face to face, not looking with any real hope towards heaven is I believe is bad teaching in their churches, bad theology. I'm not naming a name or a church. I'm simply saying there's a uh, less and less teaching on the rapture. It's the last time you turned on and listened to another church and heard somebody preach or teach on the rapture. Our body's going to be changed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye, the last trump. People don't think about it. They don't believe it. I remember when our kids were little, growing up, and every day we, you know, when we're getting ready to go to school, we used to drive them to school until they got old enough to drive. And Jesus D would say every day, remember, this could be the day we meet him in the air. Every time, every day, or we're sending them out the door or dropping them off you know, at school from the car and they're getting out. This could be the day we meet in the air. We're supposed to live that way. Now, guess what? We didn't meet the Lord in the air over those last years of our lives. That just means we're that much closer. It doesn't deter me. It's a one-time event. It's going to happen. Okay? It didn't happen yet, so it means it's going to happen. It means we're closer today than we were yesterday. But bad theology... Worldliness and bad theology are both. Very few people are taught in our churches much, or I would say taught much or taught at all about the rapture of the church. Very few people in our churches are taught about uh, or have any kind of focus on our eternal home above or the temporal, temporary fleeting nature of this current life that we're in. But what does the Bible say? What sayeth the scriptures? More and more people in our churches today are biblically illiterate. We've talked about that. We know that to be true. I don't claim to be the end all of end all Mr. Bible man, but I do know the importance of studying my Bible and the word of God and to have you be studying the word of God as well. And so bad teaching where people uh, we know the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit of God. That's what the word of God says. But there's not much, even in our churches, there's not much preaching on heaven. There's not much thinking about heaven. It's, it's secondary. Remember, a lot of our churches are desiring to build their kingdoms here. There's no real thought of heaven or the Lord rapture in his church. And so they would look at us. There's others in the church world, whether they're saved or not. Again, that's up to the Lord. There's others in the church world that would call themselves Christians that would look at us with disgust and disdain. 
and say, you people are, are, are just caught up in, in something that's secondary. In other words, it's a distraction from our main task, which is to build the Lord's kingdom here on this earth. Kingdom now, theology, dominion theology. This is not biblical, but it's very popular within our churches. That is simply the thought that, uh, well, it's, it's not a simple thought, but it's the thought that the, the rapture is irrelevant if it's going to happen at all, we don't know when it's going to happen at all. Probably it's not going to happen. But if it does, it'll happen at the some point way in the future. The main focus, according to the kingdom now, is to build the kingdom of God on this earth. We got to elect Christian politicians and Christian businessmen and Christian teachers. Now, I'm all for that. That's not my I know what's going to happen to this world. I know what's going to happen to this world. It's going to be refined as a fire and melted down. The elements are going to be refined. It's all going to be destroyed. And in the kingdom now, they spiritualize the millennium. They will tell you it's not a real thousand years. It's a figure of speech. It's not a real thousand years. It follows a rapture and a tribulation. Uh, a lot of that happened in 70 AD, the things that are mentioned in that are going to happen in the tribulation period. And we're in the millennium now. And Jesus is expecting us to Christianize the world, not evangelize, and there's a difference. Evangelization would be bring the gospel, the Great Commission, to all these worlds. Whoever believes is saved, who believeth not is damned. Okay? Teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've commanded you. That's evangelism. That is our call. Christianization is we want to subdue we want to the, the, the spirit of God basically to kind of come over control of cities because we've got numbers. We have Christian laws and lawyers and Christian officials and so forth. And we're going to bring this this morality down, Christian morality upon people. We're in the millennium now. And when we get it sufficiently Christianized and subdued. Christ will come back and reign. Like he'll just ease into his throne and look to us and say, thank you all for getting that under control for me. Now I can rest at ease on my throne. That is not what the Bible teaches. He is coming back as a conquering king. He came the first time as a babe in a manger and as a sacrificial lamb. He is coming again as a conquering king. It talks about his vesture dipped in blood. Who is this that coming, coming back? And it's speaking about it's Christ, the Lord. He's coming back at the end of the tribulation at the Battle of Armageddon. And I don't think we're going to have to fight. We'll be riding with him. But he's going to destroy the enemy with the sword of his word that comes out of his mouth. And he is coming to reign and rule. That's bad teaching, bad theology. And so it brings the focus of the church. This wrong teaching brings the focus of the church on the here and now. And you people that talk about the rapture, that would be us in heaven and things like this. It's a distraction from the church's main business. I disagree totally. I disagree totally. And so the natural man cannot understand these things. The physical eyes and ears and hearts of man can't see these spiritual things. Therefore, we can't believe in it. The natural man and therefore, we don't long for it. We have to see and hear, and then we have to believe it. 
And then God puts it in our heart and we long for it. But the answer to that is the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, but God hath revealed them unto us. Paul's including him in the church, those that are born again by faith in Jesus. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. I hasn't seen ear nor ear heard, neither have entered to the heart of man the things, future things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by the spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And so God wants us to to focus on these things. He, he wants to teach us. The Holy Spirit is able to take what's Christ and show it up to us. The Holy Spirit is able to take this glorious future that God has prepared for them that love him and to make it real in our hearts. I'm not saying you have to have a vision of heaven or the streets of gold and so forth, but there is a longing. God is able to put that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're going to spend the next few weeks and I pray in Sunday school and just just in our Christian life, as long as we have a church here, that we'll keep it as a focus, not the only focus, but a focus is the future that God has for them that love him and that them that wait upon him. All that are in Christ, he's the Holy Ghost is able to speak it to our hearts. And guess what? In our hearts, we can lay hold on that. He wants us to lay hold on that glorious future. He wants us to lay hold on it. Like, like someone laying hold on the horns of the altar for safety or protection. He wants us to lay strong hold on it even though we have not actually seen it. The natural eyes have not seen heaven. The natural ears have not heard the angelic choir in heaven singing holy, holy, holy. The act that we have not physically walked there. And yet we can believe it and we can lay hold on it. The Bible says now faith is the the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I know that, you know, that's not a definition of faith. It is a description of faith laying hold. The substance of things hoped for, it's real to us now. It's dear to us now. Listen to this uh, scripture in 1 Peter 1.8. To whom, whom, speaking about Jesus, whom having not seen, anybody here seen Jesus? And physically, have we seen the Lord? Whom having, Peter says, whom having not seen, you love. Now, Peter had seen him, but speaking to the believers, you love him even though you haven't seen him. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Haven't seen the Lord physically, yet right now you believe in him, you love him, and you rejoice in him with joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is by faith. The Bible says, I always go to this passage, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin and the treasures of Egypt for a season. For he had respect unto the uh, recompense of the reward. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Same chapter where we started. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Moses endured as seeing things that were to come. As seeing things that were unseeable. And seeing the invisible God and so forth. So much did he see them. That he forsook 
what he did see in Egypt and all the comforts and treasures and pleasures of life. He forsook all that and said, no, I'm making my choice. He endured as seeing him was invisible. He couldn't really see it all, but by faith he saw it. And that sight was so clear that he chose that. I'm going to suffer now for a little while and I'm going to enjoy that forever. That's a real sight. The natural man doesn't see that. The natural ears don't hear that. But God, by the Holy Ghost, reveals that to us. You know what that word seeing, when it says he endured as seeing him was invisible? Seeing means to discern clearly. It means to, to behold. It means to experience. It means to take heed. He actually could experience the eternal things in this life while he marched through the, the wilderness, marched up Mount Sinai, marched through a hot desert, and, and Egypt was all around him when he was younger. He was able to lay hold on the things of God. And God wants us to do that, y'all. And I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but you and I, we've got to set our hearts by faith, the same faith that Moses had, upon God Almighty, upon His heaven, upon eternity with our Savior, upon living with Jesus after this life is over and forever after this life on earth is finished. And I'll say this again, we are very aware of what's going on around us. I think the heavenly minded people are the most aware of what's going on in our world around us. The darkness, we see it. We're walking in the light as he is in light. We're going to discern the darkness. Amen. We're going to see it. And so we're, we're aware that we're still living here. We have responsibilities. But our greatest responsibility is to maintain that testimony for Christ. And people are going to know us by the joy we have. People are going to know us by the love we have one for another. People are going to know us by the peace that we have that comes from the Lord. In the midst, can I tell y'all, and y'all already know it, lost people are troubled by all this too. People that don't know Jesus, they're scared. They're scared because they don't want to be communist. You understand what I'm saying? They don't, they're scared. They don't know what's going to happen. They're bringing up children in this age, younger, you know, parents with, with children. We have a testimony for the Lord. That's not escapist theology, it's good theology, bringing them to Christ. And he says, watch that you may be kind of worthy to, to escape all of these things. But we need to ask God and then we need to let God, by the Holy Ghost, take those eternal things and make them real to us now. Don't just wait to get, you know, this pan theology. You ever hear that one? Oh, it'll all pan out in the end. I don't know if the rapture's coming here, then if there's a real millennium, a real tribulation, if that's literal, figurative, don't know any of that stuff, but it'll all just pan out in the end. He wouldn't have given us the book of Revelation and Daniel and Matthew 24 if he didn't want us to know it. He wants us to know it because it's a hope for his people. It's a strength for his people. And we're to long for it. Let the Holy Ghost put that in our hearts. You know what it says in Ecclesiastes? This is in a different translation. In the NASB Bible, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has set eternity in the heart of mankind. He puts it, even a lost man, He puts a reality of eternity. Now they can choose to ignore that, blow it off, 
you know, whatever. But God has set eternity in the heart of mankind. They know that there's eternity. Where are you going to spend it? The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Well, we know life on this earth is not eternal. We watch people die every day. It's not eternal, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We need to let God make that real to us and put it in our hearts. Amen. Can I tell you that no matter how beautiful the streets of gold will be and so forth in the new new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem and how glorious it'll be in the gates. If Jesus wasn't there, it would be no heaven at all. The fact that Jesus Christ will be there and we will forever be with the Lord is what makes this glorious. I'm running out of of time here, but I want you to look at a couple of scriptures with me in closing. God wants us to think on these things, y'all. He wants us to be assured of these things. You could probably quote it, but turn to John chapter 14. Verse 1. This would definitely speak to us, okay? It would have spoken to John in his day. It would have spoken to any believer in this earth going through persecution. Let not your heart be troubled, is how he starts that. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's, this is faith, okay? In my Father's house. Now we're talking about eternal things. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. He's, he wants us to think on that. It is that thought, that knowledge, not just in our minds, but in our hearts. And I'm, about, I'm closing. But that thought is to be what causes our hearts not to be troubled. Not building, it doesn't say build up your kingdom on heaven when you get it all on earth. Build my kingdom on this earth and get it all straight. And when you finally get it perfected, I don't know when that'll be, but I'm going to come back and, and be here on the earth with you. That's not at all what he says. He says, I'm going to, I go, I'm leaving. And a few days after, he's going to be crucified, die, and rise again. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come again here and get you. And I'm going to bring you to where I am, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm preparing a mansion for you. Is that just a big, beautiful house? I don't know exactly what that's like. It's going to be wonderful, though. And he wants that to be a source of our comfort. Let not your heart be troubled. Why not, Jesus? He tells us why. I'm going to prepare. You believe in me. You believe in God, the Father. You believe in me, his Son. Don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know how to get there, Philip. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Where you go, where I'm going, you know, and how to get there, you know, by faith in me. He wants us to think on these things. He wants us to to long for that. He wants heaven and eternity in the streets of gold and this eternal joy and bliss where the tears are going to be wiped away. He wants that to be a comfort to us. 
I say it all the time. If you were locked up in some freezing cold prison cell in North Korea now for being a Christian pastor, I guarantee it's real to you. Or you would recant and say, I didn't mean any of this Christian stuff. Let me go back to my family. It's real to them. Because the Holy Ghost makes it real in their hearts. They have a longing. Is that escapist theology? Maybe in one sense it is. But it's good theology. And God wants us to trust Him. I'm going to close with this. Turn with me. We'll close with 2 Corinthians chapter 4. you can come on up if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16 through 18. Right at the end. We all know this passage. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Which is but for a moment. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look, this is what Moses did. This is that look of faith, okay? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's a wise man that lays hold on the things of eternity. It's a fool that builds up all his treasures right here and lays them up. They're going to be gone. I want to continue this next week, but for today, this is our altar call and this is our prayer and our charge from the Lord that we would come to these altars and say, God, forgive me for getting, and I'll be the first one down there for being preoccupied with the cares of this life. I'm not advocating, nor is God being irresponsible, but your heart has to be fixed on something. Even while you're taking care of feeding the kids and making sure they get their homework done and get a good night's sleep and paying the bills, our focus can be upon Christ. We can do it as unto the Lord. We can do it all the while knowing this isn't my home. This world's going to go one day. It's going to be burned up. It's not my home. I want to bring some people for Jesus' sake. I want to bring them with me when I go. I want to bring some people to heaven with me. I'm going to be out of here soon. Thank you, God, for the rapture. Thank you, God. That we get to these altars and say, forgive me for being preoccupied with this world and thinking so little about my blessed hope and my glorious future with you that you have prepared for me. Make it real to me. But God hath revealed it unto us by his spirit. Say, God, I want it. it has to be more real to me. I know it's real. I need it to be more real to me. To face the day. Give me wisdom. And give me that sure hope in my heart and that confidence. Can we pray that this morning? Father, we come before you. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for the glorious future you prepared for undeserving people like us. Sinners who have been saved by your grace and washed in your blood. And God, we want heaven to be real to us, God. We want the streets of gold to be real to us. People can mock if they want. They don't understand. They do that because they don't know the Lord. But we do know you, Lord. And we know you're a good God. We know that this world is not our home. You tell us that we're strangers and pilgrims here. Forgive us if we're building our kingdoms up in this life and on this earth. God, it's all going to be burned up. Every bit of it is going to be burned up. God, help us to live for God in eternity and to do it with joy. 
put that joy in our hearts, Lord God. By the Holy Ghost, make heaven real to us now, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.